1: Win stacks of cash by entering the 150K Crack the Code giveaway. Brought to you by your local paper, now through July 14th look for the code on page a2 then visit 150kgiveaway.com and submit your entry you could win the grand prize of one hundred thousand dollars grab the paper every day get the code on page 2a and improve your chances to win tons of weekly cash prizes visit 150kgiveaway.com for details
0: From the Features staff at the Columbus Dispatch, this is Life in the 614. Hi, and welcome to Life in the 614, the official lifestyle podcast of the Features Department at the Columbus Dispatch, coming to you every week. If it sounds like fun, we'll be talking about it. I'm Ryan Smith, Features Editor at the Dispatch, and today I'm joined by my colleague, music reporter Julia Aller. For many people, this is shaping up to be the perfect weekend, and not just because it's a short week feline fanatics can enjoy a cat show at the Ohio Building of the Ohio Expo Center on Saturday and Sunday. If you're still in a patriotic state of mind, and you feel like running for a good cause, check out the Hilltop USA 5K, which benefits veterans living in the West Side neighborhood. It starts at 8.30 a.m. Saturday at the Glenwood United Methodist Church. But since I have Julia, our pop music writer, here with us today, I probably should mention something musical as well. How about Tito Puente Jr. and John cicada playing with the Columbus Symphony in a picnic with the Pops concert Saturday at Columbus Commons. It's actually bittersweet to have Julia here today, because this will be her last podcast with us. Our popular music writer for the last several years, she's decided to move on to another career opportunity. But before she goes, we want to mine her musical mind for all the gold it contains. The great concerts, her thoughts on the music scene in Columbus, the angry emails she's received from readers, and talk about what makes a good review in the first place. Julia, thank you for joining us here today. I know it's your very last day with us here at The Dispatch. It's a tragedy, and we are all in mourning. (laughs) But seriously, we were really grateful to have one last chance to talk with you and have you uh, share some of your insights from your time here as our pop music writer.
1: Yeah, thanks for uh, letting me come on for one last show, T-minus. Four hours. That's sad. Okay, not but thinking about counting. that. Nobody's <laughs> counting.
0: I thought maybe just a nice, happy place to begin would be to talk about. You know, you've been doing this for what? Three years now.
1: Three years plus. I interned at the Dispatch before, so that was when I my first ever concert review. I okay, did. what yeah. was that one? It was Walk the Moon. They are a pop band from Cincinnati and it was the day that the Supreme Court ruled to legalize gay marriage. And so it was just like this rainbow colored spectacle of a show and it rained and it was magical and I was freaking out because I had no idea what I was doing.
0: That's awesome. What a great yeah. first concert to it was have. great, yeah. What I was going to ask you is what your favorite concert that you've reviewed in all of these many, you know, dozens and dozens of concerts over the years has been here on Columbus.
1: Yeah, I think... There's so many different kinds of concerts. I I review a lot of the arena shows, and I think my favorite arena show I've ever covered was Kendrick Lamar, who is a rapper, because I'd heard going in that he was a terrible performer. He basically just stood there for two hours and didn't do anything. So that was what I expected. You know, two hours of someone doing nothing from far away at Nationwide Arena sounded pretty miserable. But I got there, and he was so incredibly good. He had so many magical little surprises and, like, almost magic tricks that you didn't know how he made it work. You know, he he sang one song, like, on top of an acrobat, and they were each, like... Sideways with one arm On the ground and it looked like they were levitating And I have no clue how they did it So there were so many wow moments and, and I think Anytime you cover a show And have um, your expectations Blown out of the water Which is rare especially in the internet age When you kind of know what to expect going in it's It makes for a really fun experience
0: And did he make you understand why He won a uh, Pulitzer ultimately?
1: Yes I mean I try To take a 10 second clip of every Show that I go to just so I can remember in the future uh, what it was. And I took like, I don't know, so many clips of way more than 10 seconds at that show because it was so good.
0: Is there an act that never came to Columbus that you really wish had?
1: Oh, man. I think there are acts that came to Columbus before my time that I that I kind of wish had come. So I am a big Bruce Springsteen fan. And actually, I think he came here in the couple months after I started working here, but before I really ramped up my music coverage. And I keep hoping that, that Bruce will come back because I, I, I grew up on Bruce Springsteen. It was the one record that my dad kept from his collection. So I would love for him to, to come back someday.
0: Which record was it?
1: It was Born to Run. And it it sat in his office for years and I didn't really know who Bruce was. And then he made my siblings and I all listen to to Bruce's songs one night and I was pretty hooked after that.
0: Have you seen the Netflix special and the new album? I
1: have. My mom got me the album for Christmas and my dad and I watched the special together and I I did cry a little bit which is kind of embarrassing but it was very touching. I've also read his book too.
0: How is the new album in your opinion?
1: I really liked it but also to be fair I only listened to like I just like there I think there are 18 tracks on each side I just skip through 10 tracks to like get to the three or four that I really love and I just listen to those ones <laughs> over and over So it's not really a fair assessment.
0: (laughs) Now, you're one of the youngest, if not the youngest, member of our department down in Features.
1: I am the youngest. I exit the dispatch and still having interns here who are older than <laughs> i <am. laughs>
0: what do you think is the impact of that on the perspective that you bring to so many of these concerts i mean you're you're doing new acts that you know lots of really young people love but you're also doing acts like the eagles mm-hmm. that you know supposed to be reaching out to a, and resonating with a totally different generation
1: yeah i think i, I know that about myself i know that i'm younger and, and i didn't grow up in the 70s and 80s when you know when when Kurt our, our other music reviewer uh, he has more of that direct experience so I see myself as bringing maybe a perspective of maybe something of how these acts still resonate today uh, instead of saying oh you know I saw the Eagles in 1976 at you know the Coliseum or whatever I s- like to talk about how you know How or why they're still relevant In my eyes So I think I bring a bit of a freshness And maybe a little bit of a different perspective And I try to find the little details That maybe people wouldn't notice When they're trying to focus so much On the band's history Like little descriptions Or little things they're wearing Or ways that they might move on stage That could get lost in the shuffle By people who have seen them multiple times Is
0: there an example that you can provide Maybe from the last couple of years to that end?
1: Yeah, so Bob Seger I covered him this winter and he does this weird bouncy thing where he just keeps his feet planted and just moves his heels up and down and it looks like he's I don't know on like a carousel horse that's going like a 100 miles an hour and I think you know people who are huge Bob fans probably wouldn't really they might not notice or if they do they probably don't think it's funny but I thought it was hilarious not not like he was doing anything wrong but it added a real kind of innocence to, to his act that I appreciated. Maybe because I'm not, you know, a 60-year-old Bob Seeger fan. I'm a 24-year-old Bob Seeger fan.
0: <laughs> What's it like going to an act to review something that you just... Don't like Because this is something Where it's so much Of it is just personal taste Too I mean You can be objective In a lot of things But some of it Is subjective too
1: That's true And I have had to do that Multiple times And I, I try so hard To go in With as open Of a mind As I possibly can Knowing my own biases I think you gotta start When you're a music writer Knowing your own biases And working actively Against them To a degree But also understanding That it's okay To have your own preferences Because you're never Gonna be able to get rid of every preference that you have it's just impossible and against human nature so I reviewed uh, for the Ohio State Fair a couple years ago a country artist who I didn't think was very good and I didn't really like him much but I tried to to prepare extra for that because I wanted to make sure I did know his material really well so that I was at least informed even if I was going in a little biased you know because I think if you're uninformed and biased that just is kind of lazy overall, and so I was able to back up my opinions of him with the knowledge of of who he was and where he came from.
0: And how does one maybe this is a two-part question, but to you, philosophically, what makes a good review, and how do you prepare for a concert in order to review it?
1: Yeah, so I usually start a couple days in advance and listen to as much of the artist or band's catalog as possible, just while I'm working. um, Sometimes I don't even pay close attention, but just so I can get the general gist of their sound and how it's transformed because it's one thing to just listen to their most recent album but if it's a band that's been around a while you really need to see how their sound has evolved through the years and I try to read interviews I try to make sure you know that nothing no big news has happened you know a member didn't leave or you know they didn't get new members in so that I'm up to date on that and I also hack there's a, a website that will show you their set lists from past concerts and so I usually try to go on just to get an idea of the the structure and what songs they're going to play so that I don't have to frantically write lyrics down to look up later to make sure I get the song titles right. Which I've done before and is a little iffy.
0: And what's your philosophy about what makes a good review? What do you like to see in a review? What do you make sure that you include in one?
1: I like to look at my reviews as a way to bring the readers in to, to to really provide a window on what the concert was like. So obviously you want to say if it's good or bad, but most concerts aren't all good or all bad. There's a lot of nuance there. Maybe a song was bad, but maybe the rest of the rest of the show was great. And so You really need, from my vantage point, you really need to describe the stage and and the lighting and how many people were there and the mood of the crowd is really important. You know, are they sitting down the whole time when it's a lively show or are they singing along to every lyric? Because people really want to know. They want to feel like they were there even if they couldn't get to a show. And so the general atmosphere is almost as important as what, you know, whether the show went really well or really terribly.
0: And I know we've talked about this a little bit in the past, but I particularly enjoy some of the language that you use. I think it was with the Beyonce and Jay-Z concert where you said that their choreography was as sharp as scissors and little phrases like that. Talk about how you try and work those in.
1: Yeah, well, I usually have about an hour to write my concert reviews, so I don't really try to work them in as much as just frantically fling metaphors out of my brain into my phone and hope that it kind of makes sense. Sometimes as the show is going, I make little comments in my notebook that I try to return to later. And sometimes it's just as simple as thinking, you know, I really want to make this descriptive and I really want to describe it in a way that people will get. Since I have I have so few words that I want to make all of them count. And so um, giving visuals really helps you condense your language around like poetry a little bit and uh, not that I'm writing poetry by any means but a lot of times it just it comes from not having a lot of time you know when you don't have that much time you kind of just take whatever you can get and whatever comes out of your brain and sometimes that's kind of crazed and, and weird analogies
0: <laughs> I know that you said you have done a lot of the big arena shows that we have here what mm-hmm. are some of your favorite venues here in Columbus big or small
1: yeah so I am maybe in the minority that I actually like having a seat at shows Because it's nice to be able to sit down when you get tired So even though I don't love the environment of the arenas for every show I do like that they have padded seats But beyond that, um, I, I like Ace of Cups a lot I think because it, it's Columbus has lost many of its old school kind of divey but popular music venues So Stashes and Little Brothers that were really the epicenter of the music scene for a long time are gone. And I think Ace of Cups has done the best at at filling in for some of those old school venues. You know, it's a little bit, it's a little dark, and you can't see really well and the the back bar is huge and wooded and a little intimidating but it allows you to sort of escape. Until, there's lots of little nooks and crannies where you can just stand at the back if you want to or you can be pressed right up near the stage and I think that's important.
0: And in your mind, what are some of the strengths and weaknesses of the Columbus music scene? Since you're leaving us now, this is your <laughs> chance to you know have yeah. your great opus explaining everything here about Columbus music.
1: Yeah, well one thing that is probably overstated about the Columbus music scene but it is so true is everyone's willingness to work together for the most part there are for sure cliques and little groups but people generally have small egos here and even people who would love to be lifetime musicians aren't you know trying to you know swing a baseball bat at their fellow musicians trying to knock them over and i think that as a sign of good character is really positive on the flip side the problem is sometimes people get a little complacent and to be really successful you really kind of sometimes have to step on some toes and be willing to to think of yourself as the best and do all you can to to prove that and small egos mean a pleasant place to make music but also mean that it's not always easy to break out into a national a national scene not that that you know Not that people have to do that, or even that going national is a sign of of being a good band. But I do think that maybe a little more healthy competition would be positive thing in in my eyes.
0: You speak of breaking out onto a national scene and 21 Pilots from Columbus was just here in town for a couple of concerts. I know you didn't review this most recent batch Mm -hmm. but you've seen them before. I have, Um, What are your thoughts about them and what have your interactions with them been like?
1: Yeah, so they have such a little niche in the music world. Their fans are among the most devoted of any act out there today. I mean, I don't think that many other bands have people camping out for a week at every single one of their shows. At least none that, that are on, you know, come to the top of my mind. But um, they do have the issue of they're not really very critically acclaimed. Critics don't really get them. They don't really like them. They think that they're not particularly original or maybe their originality is nothing that is advancing music. So I think they're a classic case of a fan first band which isn't a bad thing but they're never going to get a lot of critical acclaim so I, I know that there are people other people in Columbus who are a little bummed that there aren't any you know top you know, Pitchfork Magazine kind of bands in Columbus. But I don't think that that doesn't mean that your music scene isn't any good or that the bands from here aren't any good. It just, it's also difficult, I think, being in the Midwest too because it does get a little looked down on. People kind of brush over places like Columbus. Maybe not as much so much for moving here or travel anymore, but definitely some of the arts and culture can get kind of passed over, which is very unfortunate, I think.
0: Now, your job is to have an opinion, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to be subjective and write about what a concert was like. You provide the objective side of things, but also, yes. um, you know, your feeling about whether it was, it was a success or not and mm-hmm. why or why not, that must result in some interesting reaction from fans anything particularly memorable that you can share with us?
1: Oh, yeah. I should go through my email. I know when I when I reviewed the Blake Shelton show, which was sold out well in advance, Blake Shelton, he's on the show The Voice, and he uh, has a very broad country music following. I was not particularly impressed by his solo show here. He, he also was at the Buckeye Country Superfest this year, and I liked that show a little bit better. But I got emails from fans basically telling me, "Like Shelton, you know, you said that it was a sold-out show. Well, that means he was a great artist. And hold on, let me see. I don't know if I have. Uh, I have had lots of angry fans. A lot of know-it-all fans who think that they should be music writers.
0: Isn't that pretty much everyone out there?
1: Yeah, I pretty much every time I go to a show, I have some person who starts feeding me lines about what I should write in my review. Sometimes they literally make pen writing motions in the air, like they're writing it out for me, and I just learned to uh, smile and say thank you. Oh, here we go. Alright, so my Blake Shelton comment, this woman said, Julia, just saying, why did 18,000 fans fill Nationwide Arena? Because they love Blake Shelton. And obviously, the huge throng loved the show. Sorry you don't appreciate him terrible concert review! What a huge slap in the face. Embarrassing. So she was not particularly happy. I also got another one about Blake Shelton that had the entire angry rant in the subject line. So that's always always fun. But I, you know, I actually really appreciate negative reviews uh, or negative emails about my reviews because it means that people really care and they took the time to read and they took the time to disagree with me. Not always eloquently, but at least they're standing up for their their person and I appreciate that level of passion.
0: Now, Julia, you are the face and the force behind our window on uh, Windows on the World program, a once a week concert series that we do down in the Futures Department over the summer. What was the idea that got that off the ground originally, and how you know how do you think that it's been in accomplishing that?
1: Yeah, so I can't take credit for the original idea. About a month after I started working here in 2016, our editor in chief Alan Miller came to me and said, "Julia, I really want to. I really like what NPR is doing." both nationally with the Tiny Desk concerts and then locally um, at WCBE they do live at Studio A where they have local bands come in and they don't film them but they do record them and play it live on the radio. And he said, I want to do something like that here. And me having absolutely zero idea how to book a concert series or run it at all, like truly zero idea. I was fresh out of college, said, okay, and (laughs) figured it out. The first year, we did not have any sort of soundboard or music feed, so the sound online was kind of terrible and muddy, and you couldn't really hear, and we had a lot of people angry about our sound quality, as they should have been, and then from there, we hired a sound guy and got much more positive comments, (laughs) and now we're in our fourth year this year. And I think I've been really pleasantly surprised by how much the musicians have loved it. They, most of the time, I have people coming to me saying, we really want to be on Window on the World. We think it's amazing. And then even people who I book, who maybe didn't know about it before, come and say, wow, this is It's one of the most interesting places we've ever played in. They're always very concerned about the feature staff and disturbing them. But I think people genuinely... do it
0: right next to me.
1: (laughs) Yes, Ryan uh, gets the the force. I have had to hand out earplugs before to (laughs) feature staffers. I have some on my desk if you ever need them. (laughs) But I think that I was a little concerned that they wouldn't, you know, that they'd see it as something that was maybe too, not corporate, but, you know, maybe wasn't as intimate or special as what... um, I thought a musician might want to do. It's not like a house concert, you know, with a bunch of people sitting around on the carpet. But I think the fact that um, it's so downtown and there are people who just kind of wander in and the fact that, you know, their grandmas can see on Facebook and comment, we love you, sweetie, which happens too. I think that people really enjoy the sort of grassrootsiness of it, even though it's not, you know, in a home or a basement.
0: In all the time that you've been doing what you do, you know, you've been teaching, teaching the people of Columbus a lot about music. What have you learned from your experiences writing about music, attending musical concerts? What has this done for you?
1: Yeah, I think I have learned that you always have to give artists and bands a chance to woo you, uh, in a sense, because there have been a lot of times where I've listened to one song of a band and, you know, kind of poo pooed them right off the bat. But then if you go a little deeper and listen to more of their catalog, or, or even if you just talk to them, you realize that these people. People care deeply about their songs and and they think deeply about what goes into them. So I think keeping an open mind, I'm not a huge metal fan or hard rock fan, but I think some of those can sometimes be my favorite interviews because they're Hard rock bands are often super down to earth and just a lot of fun, and really have a sort of California, we don't care vibe that is refreshing. They're not usually too corporate. And I've enjoyed, you know, getting to know them a little bit. So I think, you know, in today's really fragmented music world where you can listen to anything at any time and never go outside your little genre bubble, it's important to find things that you have never heard and think you might not like just to, to push your brain to, to new things.
0: Well, Julia, thank you for taking the time to talk with us today and for taking all the last few years to share your insights uh, musically and otherwise with us and with our readers. We really appreciated it. It'll be our loss and we wish you all the luck in the future.
1: Thank you so much, Ryan.
0: Take care. And thank you all for listening to Life in the 614. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Google Play Music. We hope to have you back next week. Until then, keep enjoying your own life in the 614. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh